This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler Which leads me to the Emoton Joe character. This is an interesting villain, folks, because on one hand, you're kind of disgusted by how he runs things. But if you take a step back of the environment and what they're running, I'm not going to say he, he, he's justified, but you can see where in his brain he's, he thinks he's right in what he's doing. Well, he set himself up as a god. Yeah. I mean, he set himself as like the godhead of this thing. That's why he has so many fanatics uh, for him. He has the war boys. Uh, he has the war boys, the breeders, the um, uh, Im- imperators, or which I'm, right. I think I'm mispronouncing, uh, and uh, all that other thing. Basically, everybody were right down to the you know hordes of uh, starving. Uh, People villagers or whatever, yeah. Who are missing Every, everybody, looks, everybody looks at him as like as like a god, and now he has believed uh, he's this guy. He's full of put himself up with like war medals and stuff, but he's just like this tumor ridden like slug, and uh, he's made himself into this god, and he's made and he's made himself believe that every that in order to remain in power, not only do I have to control the water. But I have to uh, make sure that everybody is defined only as their function. The breeders are there to breed. The imperators are there to make the supply runs. The war boys are there as cannon fodder. The blood bags are there to give transfusions to that cannon fodder. You know when I need them. Uh, everybody is n- nobody is a person aside from I'd say maybe his own sons, mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, everything else is property. I mean even. Well, even the people are even even his heirs are property. He's he said flat out said that to uh, that girl. Um, this is like what he says. He's he's absolutely he's the meanest son of a bitch that Max has come across. He's he's, the, he's so insidious. He's so creepy. I hate him so much, and because uh, he's he's just this really uh, diabolical person. And if you notice, they all he's not the only person running things in charge. They've also got the people running ammunition. And the people running gasoline. Now you can just imagine that those people are also have their own stranglehold on people, and it's just this huge giant power play yeah, with him yeah. at the with him with him at the head of it. I was gonna say he's still the alpha, though, wouldn't you say, Cole? That even a uh, Joe, even though you've got the three guys, him running the water, you got the bullet farm guys, and you got the gas yeah. boys. Amonton Joe's still kind of the alpha, even among those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. You know, one thing I noticed, it's hard to improve on what Scott said because yeah. I think he's right on with all that stuff. But one thing I noticed is they mentioned Gas Town, right? They mentioned Bullet Town, right? The Bullet Farm. Yep, Bullet Farm. Bullet and gas farm. You think Barter Town is right out there? <laughs> <laughs> now, this, this movie is pretty damn clever uh, when you begin to think about it. But, yeah, in terms of Immortan Joe, man, that character works on a lot of different levels. I mean, when they pin that vest with the war medals on it over his tumors, oh, man, that's, that's some hard stuff. And then... You know, all the stuff with the water is is so awesome right now. I mean, 
there's a little bit of the gasoline wars in here, but really what this movie was about to me was the water wars. And also, where are we going to grow our, our goddamn food? I mean, at one point, <laughs> when they're trying to get out of the, the marsh or whatever, this girl points to the thing and she's, you know, they're like, what is that? And the other character's like, well, that's a I mean, they don't even know what a tree is. They're yeah. so detached from the natural world. And that's that's the world that Immortan Joe, you know, over oversees. So, I mean, he's a despicable man, but so well played. That performance is in the eyes. And the actor, I believe, is he the villain from the first film? Yes. Yeah. That's 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 well, I mean, not the, not the same character, but the same No, actor. not the same yeah. character, but yeah, yeah, I... I saw the that name in the credits, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's amazing!" <laughs> yeah, what a yeah. great job by that actor. And he must be, you know, I mean, it, it, he must be old. I mean, I don't mean that as an insult, but no. it's got to be hard work to come back and put on all the makeup. And you if know. you get a chance, the Alamo Draft House has a thing on uh, YouTube where yeah. they had you turn off your cell phone and shut up during the movie, and they had that actor sitting next to George George Miller, and he was. Saying it as the toe cutter. <laughs> oh man! Have a lovely day. Gotta look at it. It's great. You'd love it, Cole. Emote <laughs> and uh, awesome. Joel. He's he's a villain that I thought was unique that we haven't seen much in action films because when they introduce him, you're not going to expect him to go toe to toe with Max, are you? Uh, what'd you What'd you think of that? And and Emote and Joel in general. What'd you think of him as a villain? <clears throat> Um, I honestly didn't care about him at all. Like the whole water thing I thought was intriguing, but everything else he did, <clears throat> I really didn't care for mm -hmm. in all honesty. And I cared, I call him old man Bane just because he, <laughs> old he, Bane. Bane, just because I that's how Bane's going to be when he's old. But, um, I didn't really buy much into his motivations. They didn't really make sense to me. And I, it, just because, I think it's because this movie just had so much action that it was hard for me to get a grasp. Like, what's what's his motivation? Like, what what's wh why is he doing all these things? So he's a villain that I honestly really did not care for. Oh, that, that's fine. Uh, he was going after the breeders. He wanted the babies. That was pretty much his simple motivation. Uh, it, considering you know the other people he had to choose from, you can see in his warped mind why he thought maybe those were the best options. Maybe, maybe that's uh, where Tom Hardy. Where maybe that's what happened to Tom Hardy's Bane mask <laughs> in between movies. He just like said like, I, I don't need this anymore. Here, you can have it. <laughs> Glenn, what did you think about them making Immortan Joe kind of vulnerable in a lot of ways? Because you look at him, he's not feeling well. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it fits with the whole. It fits with the story of the breeders. Is that mm -hmm. it's uh, more of it? It's probably not. It's not so much that his previous breeders were not of the right stock. It's that he's not. Right. Um, I yeah. mean, he's he's definitely he's a character that is showing the effects of living in an irradiated wasteland. He obviously he is obviously old enough to have lived before the bombs dropped. Um. So probably he was probably not too far away from where one hit. If right. you look at all his tumors and stuff. He's and the weak link. Yeah. Yeah. There's still obviously uh, radiation and stuff in the area because that's you know all the. That's why they have the blood bags because they need fresh blood because 
they're, well, yeah. they're all dying of, uh, you know, basically radiation poisoning. Yeah, because um, uh, Knox points out uh, uh, the two his, tumors his, he his had. His two mates, was it uh, like Larry, Larry and Barry? Barry. <laughs> yeah. Larry and Barry, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think that his vulnerability fits with, with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... I I like the fact that he he was vulnerable here because there's so many movies you see where where the bad guy is this like just this massive you know pretty much like uh, unbeatable looking you know group <laughs> and you know and you know here comes the hero one eighth the guy's size but still manages to beat him up and win right. um, and this way I mean and that's one of the things I love is who who kills Immortan Joe. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and it was so- not only does she kill a Morton Joe, but Paul, she sacrifices her arm, killing yeah. a Morton Joe. Yeah. So, wouldn't you say uh, that that was an interesting? Not the person you thought who would take out Morton Joe. <laughs> or did you <laughs> did you think that she would be the one that, that does the deed? I think they. I think watching the movie, it kind of led to that. Uh, I I knew it was either going to be a Mad Max or or her. Uh, I was glad that they did her because I knew it would set up the events of the ending, mm-hmm. which is again I, I mentioned this earlier. It was the perfect Mad Max ending. I thought. Right. And so uh, yeah, if I think if he had done it. I think it would have been a very cliche action film type thing. Oh yeah, the main hero, he did something extraordinary. <laughs> and throughout the entire movie he did extraordinary things. I you know. And honestly, as much as I really did like the villain, I thought I thought that uh that especially when he was going to lose his his actual perfect son. Yeah. I thought that that was very touching and and I actually felt for that character. It was like Wow, he's not—he's not all that bad. Yeah, that was a creepy, weird scene. Yeah, uh, oh, Doug, I think, see, I still think he was bad. Don, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 what do you think of that scene with the baby, though? Did did it give you just maybe a little, little sympathy for Moton Joe, or not at all? No, no. <laughs> Thank you. Really no. Wow. Um, it was—it so it just to me cemented the fact that. He. It wasn't about. It wasn't about life. It was about property. It was about mm-hmm. possession. Yes. It was about. It, it was about. Damn. I. Somebody damaged my property. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's also I, his I legacy. Did, I did not feel bad for him. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with Don. I think. Yeah. I think. You know. You just mentioned legacy stuff, but I think it's like. Yeah. I think it was. It was. It was his. It was his thing. That was my seed, you know, my person, and everything like that. You know, it's and you know they they take the baby out, which is you know croaks and stuff, and you know. Now, on the other hand, yeah. I did feel bad for uh, what the heck was his son's Rictus. name? Rictus. Yeah. Rictus, yes. <laughs> I felt I I did feel I did feel bad for him because he. That there was there was tragedy there. He lost his brother. He was grieving. Yeah. 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 He was upset. He lost his bro- uh, an actual well, and, brother. And Rictus wasn't evil. No. Like, no. like his dad was. And this is something that that is prevalent in uh, all of the Mad Max movies. Is they always have someone who, in some way, has some kind of uh, mental disability. 
Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Rictus is not, I mean, he's very simple-minded. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's that's also the re- our recurring theme is, is you have the simple-minded brute mm-hmm. who very often is an instrument for the bad guy but isn't bad himself. Right. It, it, it shows more. It, it actually makes me feel less for a Morton Joe because of the fact that here he has this, you know, this simple-minded son, but he uses him as this, you know, brutal machine, to, you know, to enforce his will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and then we have all, all the secondary characters, which there are so many in this film. It's amazing. You get all the different guys who are his war boys and such, and uh, I, I loved them, but what I found interesting uh, into the secondary characters, of course there's Knox, and we could go on with, with all the characters, uh, but I just want to touch briefly on these secondary characters, uh, who your favorites were, or which ones kind of stood out for you. Uh, Tony, I know you didn't like the character, but it, the the movie on the whole, but as far as those secondary characters, like the the pole boys and, and Lancers and all that. Uh, were there any that uh, kind of stood out for you that you at least kind of liked or, or thought were interesting? Uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Does that guitarist with the flamethrower count? Yes, that's yes, the one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the character. All the other secondary, uh, all the other secondary characters screwed them. I like the guitarist. With <laughs> who, okay, who here didn't like the guitarist? <laughs> Devil's advocate. I hated him. He sucked. I like the drummers better. They were much better. (laughs) Pretentious. I, I just, I think I just, made, I think I made a comment or something earlier on Facebook or something where I said like, "Hey guys, do you notice how when he wanted to get there, blood pumping, he didn't put a wrapper with Pro Tools on that truck?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason for that. Rock and roll survives the apocalypse. Kanye doesn't. <laughs> well, I, I read, I read it somewhere, and it didn't even click on me, uh, click for me until I read the article that. He was doing the whole war drums thing. These were the guys that were doing the beat for well, not marching, but for driving. They were the they're the th- you know the old Civil War drummer boy. That's basically yep. down to their core. Oh, right? like a drum and fife thing, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't you say, Don? That's that is oh, the yeah. core. And the the guitar guy, you got to give respect for him. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, everybody needs some good driving music. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Uh, besides guitar, uh, the guitar guy who was uh, d- the doof, or I forgot what they call him, but I thought, that, a, I thought that was the guitarist, the doof. Yeah, warrior. yeah, the doof, doof warrior. warrior. <laughs> yeah, the doof. I don't know. I get him co- co- confused. He, they, they, I, that one great thing is like looking at those end credits. I just said, look at all these fucked up names. <laughs> 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 they were... Warrior, toast the knowing. Fuck yes, you crazy Australian bastard. <laughs> Don, Don, what, I mean, not, the, not to oh, sound okay. dirty, but think about it. Rictus erectus. Oh yeah, well that was totally on purpose. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the steroid muscle guy is that. Yeah, yeah. That did. Uh, yep. So outside of uh, guitar guy, were there any other characters or uh, minor characters that you kind of enjoyed, Don? Oh, Nux, hugely. I thought um, they did an excellent... I think if it were not, I think he was extremely well-developed, probably one of the better-developed characters of the film because he changed from, 
he's the one person who evolved from the blind fanatic, I will die for my God, to, oh my God, there's there's more. Yeah. If I just look, I can and think, I can still die and believe in what I'm dying for, but not just because I'm blindly following. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very impressed with that character because he developed so fully. Right. Well, especially, and it's what triggered his development, too. His change was when he witnesses, uh, it, it's Toast, the, 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 I think that's the, the pregnant one was, was Toast. No, uh, uh, no, or, uh, or, no, Zoe Kravitz uh, was Toast. Oh, Zoe Kravitz, okay, sorry. Uh, but the, after seeing the, the, the pregnant breeder go under the wheels, that's the turning point for Knox's character. He's like, oh, he ran her over. He's like, wait, he reveres these ladies and he ran her over. What the heck? I mean, you can see the confusion in his head. Would you, didn't you say that that's kind of the, the the key moment where he starts to question his faith? Or would you oh, say absolutely. he was definitely around that area? Yeah, yes. I, I think he was just horrified mm-hmm. by the by like the violence and everything, and he was. I, I think it would bring a lot of things like what she was doing to get away from this person and like, right. you know, and the, you know, the senseless loss and all that other stuff. And wow, what does that put, what kind of position does that put me in? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to just skip ahead and say that I, my favorite, I agree with Dawn. So I'm not even going to go into any more on that because <laughs> I think that she just said everything perfectly for my favorite character. I absolutely was Nux. So Nux, uh, Paul, Paul, what about you? Outside of guitar guy, because we all love the guitar guy. Yes. yes. <laughs> even uh, the even the hater likes the guitar guy. Even the hater likes <laughs> uh, and Capable together. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought they were a great pair. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, part of that, part of the thing too was that Nux blamed himself for because his failure sort of set the thing in motion. Which led to her falling out and, mm-hmm. and getting run over. I think he blamed himself slightly for the death of, of Joe's wife mm-hmm. um, because of that. Uh, and then I think that's when when uh, Capable finds finds him hiding yes. in the rig and feeling bad about himself. And she kind of helps him, you know, see this other person in him and 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 just right. basically moves forward from there. And that's why I think those two characters together are really great. Mm-hmm. Glenn, what about you? Outside of the guitar guy, was Knox your favorite, or was you probably have a different one? The, it's like, well, his Paul. To add on what Paul was saying, it's 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 Knox, and then with Capable, it's it's that that's probably the first like caring shoulder he's ever had to lean on. It's the first person who ever showed him affection, mm-hmm. you know, aside from maybe Larry and Barry. Um, <laughs> Um, so it's he's probably never been shown a single moment of kindness in his life and that's all capable does to him Mm -hmm. I mean she is nothing you know the fact that he's that he tried to kill them you know it doesn't that's not capable doesn't care She, she sees him as a confused boy which is what he is he's a confused misled boy and uh, yeah, as Don said, he he grows the most in the film, um, by far. Um, and I mean, I liked everyone else, sure, but, but no one stood out to me as much as that character. Mm-hmm. 
I think it was a surprise that they developed his character as as much as he did, especially with the way the film starts out. You kind of think, oh, okay, <laughs> he's going to be dead here, and we move on with the movie. And oh no, he's he's here for the long haul. Uh, Cole, what about you? We were just talking about secondary characters outside of the guitar guy. Who uh, maybe stood out for you? Was it Knox, or uh, did you have any other favorite? He favorites? definitely was, and I was kind of listening as my computer restarted. Have you guys talked about the shooting star scene yet? No, no. no. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to mention that for his character. Well, I guess it's a shooting satellite scene. Yeah, it was a satellite. Yeah. All, all of that stuff informs his growth. I mean, just those moments of what it is to be just a normal human being. You know, to hold a beautiful girl under the stars and and see a shooting star, or see a shooting satellite, rather. Um, you know, it informs his growth. And uh, right before he dies, he asks for a witness, you know, and not because oh, he's that was a good going to some fictional god, because he's discovered love, at least as much love as he can ever know, which is a hell of a lot, you know, um... So, yeah, I mean, it's it's poignant. Some people may not get it, or n some people may not like it. Not that they don't mm -hmm. get it. I, I understand that. But to me, uh, the whole terrorism thing is in full play there, regardless of what you believe. And I think it's effective, regardless of what you believe, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy it. With, with all the odd characters that we have, wouldn't you say that the one war boy, Knox, is probably their Nux is probably yeah. the most human. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that he's the one that's given the opportunity. Yeah. For that, I mean, he he starts out fragile. I mean, that's what his thing is like. You can't get go into war. You're barely able to stand anymore because you're so sick, and that's why he takes the you know Max along as the Vlag bag and stuff. But he's uh he's so fragile. But I mean, it also that fragility almost like gives a window to his own humanity. It actually lets you believe that there might have been hope for a lot more of them, but yeah. they didn't know. But they didn't know uh, affection. They knew the citadel. That's it. Sure, sure. And so uh, characters are wild in here. We all love uh, the mo the guitar guy and Nux. Not Nox. I keep calling Nox Nux. Uh, <laughs> They've developed more than everybody else. Uh, getting to the guitar guy, it leads me to what I want to talk about next, which is all the practical stuff, which has been kind of the focus. They had to build this stuff. You know, my Holy brain, shit. for myself, yeah. and I don't know if anyone else ran into this and anyone can chime in, uh, for me, while watching it, after I got done, I had to realize, wait, they built all those cars. <laughs> it was so out there, the design. Like the the whole amp car with the drums on the back, with the guy on the front on the bungee playing the flamethrowing guitar. They built all that. And the f guitar actually shot fire. That wasn't CGI. Miller <laughs> wanted him to shoot Fire! Yeah. I want one. <laughs> Thanks, folks. Actually, I think that whole truck worked. I think all the speakers worked. I yeah. think that whole rig worked the way it worked. So. <laughs> rig, the rig worked the way it was supposed to. And all the practical effects in here, uh, even though we did have the CGI, 
did we miss practical effects, folks? Anyone can chime in. Did, did this film God, love practical effects? You know, and you forget how much we've come to depend on. I was when I was I was screen grabbing. Uh, basically, I don't. I, I I like to use screen grabs as much as I can, rather than publicity stills. Like when I'm doing my when I'm posting my reviews. So I was screen grabbing the trailer and little mm-hmm. bits from the trailer. And normally, I'm like looking at the trailer, and I can't. And it it's hard to get a good picture because stuff gets so blurry. And I'm like, why aren't these people blurry like they normally are? And I had to remember, oh yeah, it's because they're real people. <laughs> they're not digitally added pixels that just like yeah. whiz around at the screen for like a split second. They're real people. Yeah, man. Uh, that's what took it so. And, it, and it's like, oh my god, you forget. You actually forget that about the over reliance. Um, the uh, friend that one of the friends I mentioned that didn't like the movie uh, actually accused the movie of being a Michael Bay film. What? Oh, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> and I don't no, think Tony would even go I that said, far I with said, it. I said, no, 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 no. I said that's not a Michael Bay. I said, yeah. I I said, it's not a Michael Bay film. All of this stuff was real. Those were all real cars. And he just kind of looked at me like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, it was. I swear to God. Give me a stack of Bibles. I'll swear on them. They were real. The storm the storm was added. You know, little shots well, yeah. where, they, where you saw down a person's throat. That, of course, was added. But, <laughs> but, but for the most part. And it looked so good. It, looked, oh. it, just, it was just amazing. <laughs> To see what they had done, and that oh my gosh, we weren't mistaken. It actually looks better than if it, they <laughs> did it on a computer. It actually eclipsed anything you could do on a computer. Well, yeah, I mean, from from the guys on the poles. I mean, oh my so god, they're guys actually on the. Glenn, what, what about you? Did your brain forget for a moment that? Well, wait a minute, these are all real. People, this isn't like some kind of fancy special effect. These are guys actually on these poles swinging with engines at the other end. Oh, it, I, I was, I think I was too engaged mm-hmm. with what was going on to even think about it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was in awe of all of it. Every time I saw a vehicle, even as impractical as many of them were, I'm like this. It, it just everything blew me away. Yeah, it, it just yeah. I, I, didn't even think about the effects as effects. Mm-hmm. So well, because it felt so natural. You yeah. were you you got engrossed because you weren't thinking. Oh, uh, let's just face it. I'll take the opening fifteen minutes of this film over the opening fifteen minutes of the Avengers film any day of the week. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like you know, we just got done watching Avengers, a movie I liked. You know, again for the record, but we opened that shot up with a continuous computer enhanced shot. That we all agreed, whether we liked the movie or not, pretty much all of us agreed. Yeah, it looked like a video game. I don't know. I think the movie could have been a lot better if it had, had some uh, in the opening scene had a slow motion shot of Max Furiosa and Nux all doing the jump. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the flames in slow motion. Yes. Uh, yeah, and for me, I just it made me just. Feel the weight. It, you felt weight to these vehicles. You felt danger. I think that's what it was. Oh, using God. the practical effects, wouldn't you say, Paul? Using the practical effects and, and and being real cars and that actually gave more of a sense of danger than if it would have been CGI. Oh, definitely. I mean, the stunts just made it that much more like 
it it felt real and it felt more dangerous. It felt like somebody could actually make and you know fall off one of the like things. I mean, it's like Cirque du Soleil meets uh, Burning Man. <laughs> And you know, and uh, there was there was that point where even Max was on the other end of the pole, and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's gonna get you know. Yeah. But it, it was just it was it was fantastic. It was like it was, I don't know, it was just exciting. Sure. And the fact that I'm like stammering over it is, <laughs> is proof that it was exciting enough for me to just like, wow, I can envision it all in my head. Well, I, I think Don heard me take a deep breath a couple of times after the action sequence was done. <laughs> Even the second time around, I it, it caught my breath, and I can't remember an action scene or an action movie that throughout the entire film had me feeling like I was holding my breath. <laughs> Does it get better the second, third time through? I mean, do you pick I, up more things? I will yeah. say yes, because – and Cole, maybe – I did. Hit, and Scott, yeah, for those who have seen multiple, I will say I did because – the first time around, I was so engrossed in the action. The second time around, I could focus just a little bit less on the main stuff and realize just how much crap <laughs> is going on in the background that you don't see in most modern action films because all the effects want to be in the center of the camera of happening. Oh, yeah. Cole, did you notice that? That second and third viewing, oh, yeah, you man. notice more in the, the background. Guys the are moving. third viewing especially, Mark. I mean, I can't wait for fourth, fifth. I mean, that, my, no, I'm you guys laugh at me, but my record time for a movie is 13 times. And if, if it wasn't for money, I would have kept going because a good oh. filmmaker thinks about these things. Not that, not that to be a good filmmaker, you don't have to. But right. George Miller, I mean, he is – every shot is packed. You start focusing on, for instance – um, the uh, what are what are the young ladies' names? The slaves, uh, the breeders. Yeah. You start realizing that they've all got individual outfits. At first, they all look the same, but then you start seeing individual tattoos mm -hmm. on their fingers, and um, just little bits and pieces and details that. I mean, I could watch it a hundred times. The the whiteout when somebody gets head-butted, just like the whiteout from the Road Warrior, mm -hmm. when somebody gets head-butted, head there's an instant whiteout, mm -hmm. and they solarize the screen for, like, maybe a quarter of a second. And that's here. I'm not crazy. You can watch <laughs> watch this film, and you'll see a whiteout during a headbutt, just like in the Road Warrior. And this film is just stacked with those moments. And... and some people might say, you know, that's just you as a viewer. None of that was in the scripts. But, I mean, George Miller had a long time to think about the shit. Yeah. A long time. I read about Tom, Tom Hardy's casting before I'd ever even seen Dark Knight, if I'm right. I might have to check my Facebook dates. Mm -hmm. But it was a long time ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, this this film is very interesting. I see it as a very, I see it as like an art house movie, only like, almost like a a renegade. You know, even like more renegade than what Rodriguez, all those guys. Like, I yeah. see this as like the true outlaw Hollywood movie, man. Well, sure, um, they ran away with all their money. <laughs> yeah. I lost track of what the question was. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. That's <laughs> It's fine. Uh, and the vehicles, too, the way they were designed, yes, they were outlandish, and yes, they were they were souped up and odd-looking. But in all honesty, if you pay attention, a lot of that was functional. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it looked wild and crazy at first, but the like the uh, scavenger guys, the vultures or whatever they were, uh, uh, the guys with the spiked cars. You realize they had spiked cars to prevent people from jumping on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you had. Um, other things going on, like there's blades and stuff on the side of the war machine, so people, if they drive up next to it, their car will get cut. You know, um, there's a lot of practicality to some of the de- many of the designs of those f- vehicles that may look weird, but uh, it, it didn't feel like they were just made odd-looking to be odd-looking, maybe a little embellished, but there was also function to a lot of those parts. W- wouldn't you say, Don? Oh, yeah, definitely, and you could see they were trying to at least to some extent they were kind of trying to show why certain things were there too Mm -hmm. um not overtly of course um but yeah yeah there was definitely function to their form yeah and and then there was just so much detail put in the film you know they put so much detail in this movie uh, every single thing looks like it was like planned and pre-thought and everything, and it was looked like yeah. it was done even for multiple viewings, and it was looked like it for was for people where, you know, if you're gonna watch this once and enjoy the action of it and everything, well, that's great. If I hope you watch it more because I didn't spend three years on this just for it to be an action <laughs> thing, <laughs> and and so he put up in so much detail and with the characters and the function of everything that you're just like, geez, Louise, it shows you that you know a lot of. You know, I, I'm afraid that the movie is a benchmark, and it is a <laughs> a, a sign of how th- people should be like looking at movies. And I'm yeah. it it says a lot of our blockbuster films, even the ones they spend a year developing and hundreds of million dollars making. Up, uh, you guys are being fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> In comparison to this, like you could do better. <laughs> you, you can see a, a lot of work. And like I said, that, that goes all along too with the stuff on the second viewing. You watch again and you see stuff in the background. And it's amazing what little mental effect it actually has on some of the action scenes because you realize there's that persistent feel of danger because you've got stuff... You've got guys jockeying in the background of, of – it's not just happening in front of the camera. There's stuff off screen or just out of the corner where guys are moving into place to try to hop on the truck. And yeah. I, I loved that bit of it. You know, uh, Yeah, so these action scenes and, and the cinematography in this film are just phenomenal. They, they pulled someone out of retirement, my understanding, so that – uh, he could shoot this film. John wow. Seal. I was wondering why it yeah. was five years since his last movie. Yeah, yeah apparently <laughs> he, he was going to go into retirement, and uh, you know, and, and Tony even mentioned, even though he doesn't like it, uh, you mentioned it, Tony, that you enjoyed the cinematography of this film. Oh um, yes, definitely. Yeah, I. It's just they used every inch of that frame, and that that's part of the reason why I loved the practical effects and how it was shot, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much going on that you could talk about this film. Now, I want to talk about uh, just briefly some of the nods he gave to the original without – am I off? But most films, when they do remakes or reboots or whatever, uh, especially to cult films, they try to do a nod like, hey, look, this is a reference to the original. Look at what we're doing. 
And in this one, at not one point did I feel like they did that. But at they the same did time, it, but they did it so still, subtly. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Is they still did it, but he did it subtly. Namely, for me, and it makes me laugh every time I saw it, was the shotgun. Who, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. When when he goes to shoot Holt's arm off with the shotgun, <laughs> and the shell malfunctions, it doesn't just malfunction. Paul, didn't that malfunction in the exact same way that it did in the original trilogy? I don't. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't uh, notice it. I'm sorry, oh, but I didn't. It did. When did you say? Oh yeah. I mean, the flare, the way it flared, everything. It was like directly out of it. I'm like, oh my god, he threw that in there. And then I noticed, if you noticed, in one of the uh, late uh, psych out scenes, we even get bulgy eye scene. Yep. Who yep. here caught the bulgy yep. eyes? <laughs> yep. yep. Oh, yes. yes. You folks, for what I'm referring to, it, we, if you heard our podcast where we talk about the original trilogy, when the <laughs> main bad guy, Toe Cutter, gets hit by a truck, he has this uh, cartoon event where his eyes bulge completely out of his body. Yeah. And they actually worked that frame into here. Yeah, Toe Cutter uh, and Knight Rider both had got the old Tex Avery treatment there. Uh, and yeah, he's, you saw it for a second when he's remembering all the horrible shit that he's gone through. <laughs> And how about, and even maybe, and I just thought about it while we were talking about it tonight, even the sons of Amot and Joe his, had the little guy who could have been Master and the big guy who could have been Blaster. <laughs> yep. Oh, I didn't make that connection. That's a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. I, That's killer. <laughs> work, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you just blew my mind. <laughs> I am blows everyone's mind. The show. Oh, Tony, Tony, we won't talk about that. I, I, what I do in private. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, there were there were all those certain little just nods and things that I think he threw in here subtly that wasn't. That he, I think he threw in for the fans and for himself, but it wasn't like, oh, look at this is what we're doing. He kind of worked those in there, and I, I loved how he how he did that with that film as well. I mean, as you can tell, most of us folks really enjoyed uh, this film, and it, it was a breath of fresh air. And Tony, you even mentioned, even though you didn't care for the story, you will say the action scenes probably are stuff that you haven't seen in an action film in quite some time, wouldn't you say? I'm, I, um. I say in a way, I, yeah. in a way I would just because of the fact that they actually built the vehicles and <clears throat> and that's not to say there aren't real stunts in other films, no. um, but you know, but the but you know the stunts here were like what you guys said they were very perilous. Like you can actually die attempting to do stunts like that. So you know, despite how I feel about this movie, I do respect everything in the action. Um, and the action process that George Miller wanted to bring on the screen. Yeah, it, it is one thing that at least across the board, even those who uh, don't care for it, uh, recognize the action scenes in this, and it does set a bar. And, you know, I'm I'm fine with no more action films this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So, Mark, you're fine with no Star Wars? Huh? No, 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 no. It's not an action film. It's not an action film. That's a sci-fi opera. That's it's a, kind of a fantasy this, sci-fi this, this action is, movie. No, Mad Max is kind of a sci-fi film too, Mark. You know, it, it does, this is a sci-fi film as well. Yes, this yeah. is actually. Mm-hmm. 
a, a good sci-fi film. <laughs> oh, what are things that I would have mentioned? Okay, you got me. Uh, I know you're all excited for Terminator Genesis, right? I am. Tony, Tony, <laughs> don't, Tony, man, I love you, man. Please don't bring that movie up. <laughs> don't bring it. Do not bring that movie up while we're talking about Mad Max from Fury Road. I just wear on my own hair. You know, it's funny. I'm just thinking right now that that when we I saw this movie the second time, they <laughs> they showed trailers for um, Terminator Genesis and Ant Man. I'm like, wow, this is like Mark's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. Oh no, it's just. Yeah, there's so much. Oh, one of the other things that one of the things I wanted to mention before we uh, wrap it up for the night is who caught the uh, the uh, samurai the um, um, seven samurai reference. Scene I did not. Oh, please tell me, please tell me, because that's one of my favorite movies. Okay. So now I feel like an idiot. Well, okay, it's not quite, but it had that feel, and I swear that's what he was going for. The truck stops. They pull it up. Mad Max grabs his bag and walks off into the fog, and we don't see what happens. We oh, just see I a caught, bit of I caught explosion. that slightly. Slightly, I caught that. <laughs> There's an explosion, but you don't really hear what's <clears> going <throat> on, and all of a sudden, Max just comes trudging back. He's got a bag full of guns and blood on him, and she says that's not his blood. One, that's one of the few subtle humorous moments in here where it's dropped in there, and the audience kind of laughs, but at the same time, it wasn't like, hey, hey, we're making a joke. She was being Seriously. truthful. But there was that scene in Seven Samurai where the one badass guy goes off to take out uh, yep. the rifleman, and we don't see what happens, and then he just comes trudging back, hands one of the guns to his buddy, oh, and goes off and course. takes a nap. And this scene had that feel, the way it was directed and handled. I'm like, oh my god, please tell me he was intentionally... <laughs> because that's, that's a good catch, man. I did not... I can't believe I didn't catch that. That's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> that's a really good one, man. Because he comes back in the same way, you know, as that other guy did, and it, it's handled. We don't see what happens or how he took out the bullet farm guys, but whatever he did, it had to be brutal because he got their blood all over his head. And then he washes it off with breast milk. <laughs> That had to smell yeah. really good in the desert, let me tell you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God, the mother's milk thing. But the problem, the thing with that is, as creepy as that was, and, and maybe even offended some people, it almost made a little bit of sense as far as a source for liquid. Uh, even Don, what would you say? I mean, even as creepy as that was, did it in some twisted it, it way? It made a certain amount of sense. I mean, everybody was a tool for Immortan Joe to use, and that's just one more tool. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you, you milk your milk. you milk your cows, <laughs> and and, and, and you know. And if you would give them just... water, and then they would produce and exactly kind of feed water to them, and uh, and they could have been. I almost got to feel those were ex-breeders, wouldn't you say? Or were, were these breeders' first batch? Mm-mm. 
The, the, the no, 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 not. I think I think the heavy set girls would be just for milking, and mm-hmm. that's why they're you know obviously well fed, and uh, the model types are the ones that are the ones that he's going to actually. Uh, you know, do his thing. <laughs> I, I can't even bring myself to say I know, it. He's, right? he's such so a gross bad. dude. I can't even bring myself to say it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Fury Road, I, I think we've all uh, made our, our arguments and whatnot. It's an interesting film. Go see it. Go support it so we can get other films like this and they get the message that practical effects are really, really missed. <laughs> they won't so, get it. They won't get it. But also... You can write a strong female character without, one, her losing the fact that she's still a woman, but at the same time, you don't have to make her a romantic interest or any weaker than the other characters or the other male characters. She's just a character, as Dawn said. Not male or female, just write a strong character, and if you cast a female as it, that's fine, but just write the strong character. <laughs> you know, give me, yep. g- give me that strong character. I mean... Uh, let's let's close it out here. Just uh, our favorite moment, or even well, we would start with Tony. Uh, even though you didn't like it, did you have a favorite moment? Like one moment that <clears throat> stood out for you that you really were like, okay, I I don't quite like this, but man, that was pretty damn cool. <clears throat> um, even though um, the, it was losing its steam by the end, and I was kind of like, oh, just end already. Um, I would say the finale. Uh-huh. Just because I felt like the stunts were a bit more crazier and a little more out there than the other action pieces. No, actually, no, that's not true. Even though I felt like the first action scene was really disjointed and I thought the pacing felt very off, I would say with that big tornado actually stuck out for me like, wow. Uh, even though the scene felt disjointed to me, I actually liked the whole tornado thing and how everything was spinning around. So... Uh, to me, I would say it's a tie between the opening action piece and the finale uh, action cool. piece. Awesome. And Scott, what about you? Uh, any particular scene that really stood out that would be like out of all yours, like the favorite? Oh my god, um, <laughs> so much! But if you had to pick one of them, which one would you say that, that stood out? When you say Mad Max Fury Road, what sticks out for you? You know, as far as the scene goes. Um. Honestly, I'm I'm stumped. For the once, I'm stumped. <laughs> stumped, okay. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I could. I mean, there was so much that I loved. I mean, you can sure. go into all the action sequences. I could talk about this cool thing in the action sequence, that cool thing in the action sequence. Um, and you know, and yet uh, there are so many like little tender moments and stuff. I don't know. I'm not gonna say that this is like a moment that I like. This is the moment I remember. This is the moment I loved. But simply because I can't think of anywhere else to mention it. Do you remember how when we were talking about um, uh, the original Mad Max trilogy for our previous episode, guys? Check it out. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> one of you guys was mentioning uh, how the aerial effects in uh, in Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. The, the, the aerial thing makes sense. Yeah. There is a there is a, an aerial shot of you know a Morton Joe's uh, war party. And you can hear the music coming up again, the, the guitar music, and you're like, okay, here we go. And then it fades away, and you're like, why did it fade away? Oh, because the camera passed over him. 
that you actually heard the the guitar start up and then go in the distance. I actually chuckled at. I mean, it's not the thing part I'm going to remember, but I chuckled at that. I thought, man, only in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, what about you? Uh, One moment or scene that kind of stands out for you among the others? Howard the Duck in the end credits. Oh wait, that was the other movie. Wrong movie. Yes. No. Uh, the, it, I, I've mentioned this throughout the entire uh, podcast. It's the ending, the perfect ending of a Max story. Mm. It's when you expect everything. You expect him on the platform. It's rising up, and you see him in the crowd walking away. <laughs> Beautiful. That was like if if it would have ended any other way. I, I though as 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 good as the rest of the movie was. I would have hated the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seriously. Sure. And because of that ending, it was like, yes, this is a Mad Max film. He is meant to be a loner. He is meant to be out in the wasteland. He had many, many opportunities in other movies to, to you know, be elevated to this hero. But he's the loner. He's, he's the guy that continues on. And, and the story follows him. And that's what I liked. I kind of did want to shake him, though, at that point. You know, like, well, how many times are you going to walk away from a good thing? <laughs> You're so frustrating, Max, honestly. You know? well, He's got to deal with his ghosts first. Yes, he does. Oh, ghost most. <laughs> Glenn, what about you? Uh, any favorite moment outside of all of them? Or? Um, actually, my favorite moment is when I get to see The Interceptor. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, last of, of the V8. That's oh, that for me right there. I'm like, I, that, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I'm, I'm in Mad Max world. Mad Max, what happens now? Nice. And Don, what about you? Okay, it's not the it's not the dream moment, but I'm sorry. I just ca- keep thinking about this scene and just giggling. It's when he's using the file to try to get the mask off his head. He's just... (laughs) (laughs) That's, again, that subtle humor to where it's purpose, but at the same time, it's just humorous because he'd kill some guy and then start doing that again. <laughs> it's such an in- undignified thing for him to do. He's like, oh! And, like a dog with one of those collar things, you know? Exactly. And, and he carries, he just completely carries on with it on. I mean, he could, he might as well be naked and carrying on the same way. And he, he just does what he needs to do. Yeah. yeah I, I love that part. That was one of those subtle, humorous parts where, and at one point he stops, he's got it sticking outside the back of his head, he's talking to people, and it's just sitting back there, like, yep. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, I love the, the the file scene, definitely. Cole, what about you, sir? Out of, out of all the scenes, if you, you could pick one, maybe, of one of your favorites, uh, you know, what would you say? Well, I mean, I mentioned the, the, the uh, water fight, I guess mm-hmm. you'd call it earlier, Right. I think is fantastic. Uh, Don stole my other fav- favorite moment. <laughs> I mean, really, that that's a terrific moment. But just as an extension of that, the whole notion of keeping your character in like a, a, a postmodern Silence of the Lambs mask for like a 
third of your film. <laughs> and and even having it be Mad Max just adds this notion of you know he's pissed. Man. <laughs> well, he's uh, swearing. He's swearing when he's on the front of the car. If you pick it up, it's not. It's just faint. But you can hear him talking about that's my first my fucking car and now my fucking blood. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but also, it's like an ultimate extension of that. Just one final nod to Tom yeah. Hardy, who I mean, this is Tom. Hardy's Mad Max. Yeah. It really is, yes. man. I noticed that tonight watching it. I just, I really feel like this is a new character, and I love this character. It's not yes. removed from the world. I love what Mel Gibson did, and it will always exist. Mm -hmm. But this character kicks ass. Sure. And I, I hope, you know, if we don't get another film, fine. Uh, but I would like to see him do it at least once more, you know? Yeah, he, he definitely got into the role, and even though apparently there was some behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, problems he had with Miller because it took so long and all the reshoots and that, he, you can't tell on screen. He owns this part, and he makes it his own without overshadowing, I think, Mel Gibson at all. He he just makes it his own Max without uh, disrespecting the original Max at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh -huh. For me... Uh, there's oh, so many great moments as well. I will say this. It, it's the opening scene, and it, it's where we see the Interceptor, but I'm going to go a little further with Glenn. I don't think people notice it at first, but did you notice how the car flips, it spins, and it slides to the camera, and that's all one shot? Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there is yeah. no cutaway. You get in the distance, the car's driving and chasing him. His car flips and flips and slides, and as it slides, the, it stops in front of the camera, and he crawls out, and that's all cut as one scene. Yes, and sir. I loved that because it's so subtle at first. I didn't really fully catch it until the second time around. I'm like, Oh, holy crap, that's just one shot. He, we, we never leave that shot. His car comes sliding to the camera, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, it, it's stuff like that that's just so well thought out, I think, in this film. And the other moment for me, I actually will say, is the moment where I thought the film was going to be disappointing. And it's the, the scene where they come up and they see the girl trapped in the electrical tower. And oh, yeah. he, he stops and he goes, no, wait, it's bait. And the girl is, is naked, and that, that's not why it's my favorite scene. Uh, but the girl, <laughs> the woman is naked, and she's crying, and I'm like, great, we've had fairly strong female characters up to this point, and now we've got a damsel in distress. And then we find out, no, she is bait, but she's part of the bait. She's in on it. And yeah. so she cheers out, and then come the old ladies on the motorbikes, which I love this group of women. These ladies were just hilarious. They're checking over the breeders going, hey, this one's got all her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> The bait herself, as you get closer to her, is not the young, glamorous woman. No, I mean, no. They chose her for specific reasons, you know, for, because at afar, she looked like bait. Yeah. Then you get closer, and you see she's sand-worn and... I mean, beautiful, be a beautiful woman, but well, but they're know. but they're all war, almost like you know, war torn. These are all battle hardened yeah. ladies. These are all ones you don't want to tick off. I mean, the one talking about, yep, 
headshots. Every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've killed everyone I've met out here. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's I what, think that's probably my other favorite moment with it. I mean, I got a lot of favorites, but one that really stood out because then you have the breeder girls, and some of them seem to want to be like these ladies. You, you, you know, they they want to be that. They want to learn more about them because they're fascinating. They're like. We, you know, almost like they want to be them, uh, and I just, I just love that whole moment. So, so yes, folks, we've sit here and gushed uh, for a good hour and a half uh, or so, two hours here about this film. And even though uh, some people may not have cared for it, they still respect the what went into making this film. Uh, so, Fury Road, go see it if you haven't. Give it some support. I'd love to see a sequel and see George Miller at least one more time visit this world and see what he can do with it. Um, and Mad I'm Max Wasteland. Yep, Mad Max the Wasteland. It's supposedly it, it's titled. Um, real quick, uh, well, just one more thing because I want to get Tony's opinion. Tony, would you, though, say, even though you didn't care for how the film was, would you like to see more practical effects in your action films? <clears throat> from from seeing oh. what they did in Mad Max. <clears throat> oh, uh, of course. Um, I have a different mindset. Uh, I appreciate both practical and CGI just because mm -hmm. I know it takes hard work either way. But yeah, I mean, if whatever, if they have the tool to do it, and if they really want to get creative with it, then yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing more practical effects in the movies. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, because I. I, I kind of feel the rest of the group what they would say if you would say, oh, if, do you want to see more practical effects? And I think we'd all say yes. So uh, Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, you know, and he's, and, but, you know, Tony's right. I mean, I I think I, in, in my, in that Space Hunter episode I did, like, so long ago, I think I do do a thing on practical effects. And I'd say, you know, CGI is fine. It's a means to an end, you know, and there's a lot of movies where it's been used very well, mm -hmm. uh, but I think that there. I think that we have gone too far to rely on it, you know. And I think sure. that this is a reminder that we don't necessarily need to. And sometimes it might not be as. E it, it's it's always hard work, as sure. Tony says. It might not be as easy to do, or as you know. But it's uh, sometimes looks better to yeah. do it the old-fashioned way. What about any anyone else to want to weigh in? Uh, do you think this set the bar and we're going to maybe see more practical effects? I mean, not only this, but Star Wars is doing more practical as well. Yeah. Well, maybe has anybody mentioned the Max pulling himself out of the sand shot? Does anybody remember <laughs> that? Too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is how amazing this movie is, is that even your character pulling himself out of the goddamn sand is something you've never quite seen before, and I'm assuming they didn't use a whole lot of CG for that shot. I, you know, I can't speak for George Miller, but I, I totally agree, it. man. This is this film is so inspiring in in its use of not only practical effects but just practical filmmaking. Mm -hmm. The notion that you can make a movie like practically, you know, without all these bells and whistles that give you a cartoonish vibe that will not hold up. Believe me, it won't hold up. The fly holds up better than Starship Troopers. I guarantee yeah. it. Your, your effects are not going to hold up, man. The more practical, the better. I just make that connection because of the insects. It's yeah. a stupid yeah. theory, but whatever. This, will, this movie will definitely make me a little more pissed off the next time I see... Uh, filmmaker, whether they be an independent filmmaker or a, a blockbuster filmmaker, 
you do CGI blood in a movie. <laughs> you know? this, will, this will definitely make me a little more pissed off. Definitely next time I see that. <laughs> Glenn, Paul, or Don, anything to add about practical effects or? Uh... Practical effects are always better. Yeah. Yes. I, I think we, we all, all feel that way. So uh, let's go down real quick then, and everybody, you got your chance here where you can pimp your stuff, let our fans know, those who have listened to this fantastic podcast tonight, uh, know where they can find your other stuff. Uh, Cole, go ahead first, sir. Uh, Facebook, Cole Meredith, if you want to talk movies. Shadows and Lovers Productions, if you want to see what I'm up to in terms of my own personal movies, of which uh, there's a lot on the horizon, and Horror if you want to see the geeky fanboy side of my art. Uh, <laughs> horror uh yeah, just lots of geeky fanboy horror stuff, but please see Mad Max Fury Road, because <laughs> it would be nice for another installment. You know. it, it definitely would, and uh, it didn't do that bad at the box office for an R-rated action film in these modern times. 40 mil domestically is nothing to sneeze at for an R-rated action it, it film. Did, it did, yes. it, it, you know, for all people complained about the Pitch Perfect 2 thing, which was always going to win, it did very well. <laughs> it for, did. For, today's, for today's film movie oh, box yeah. office, yes, I, I'd say it did. And we're going to go out of – oh, go ahead. I'll just say one quick thing. Tonight was the the most full theater I've been in uh, sure. for the third time, and it was Monday night. So I'd like to assume word of mouth is catching on. It's going to be good. word of mouth, and I really think this is going to be another one of those live die repeat experiences where that film, uh, when it first came out, didn't wasn't a big blockbuster, but it hung around in theaters forever because more and more people kept seeing it because of word of mouth. So, uh, Tony, we're going to go out of order here. Tony, why don't you tell people where they can find your stuff at, sir? <clears throat> You could find me at youtube.com slash 22tigerdude. That's where I'll do all my movie reviews and et cetera, et cetera on the channel. You could follow me at facebook.com slash 22tigerdude. That's where I'll give you my updates on my channel. I get to interact with you guys more from there. You could follow me at my Twitter at twitter.com at tigerdude22. And then you could follow me on Instagram at 22tigerdude where – you actually see me post a before and after picture of my haircut. <laughs> I, 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 truly <laughs> dig that. That. I truly dig that haircut too, Tony. And oh, speaking, of, speaking of haircuts, Mr. Paul got one as well. Paul, where can they find you at? They can find me in the green place, uh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, forsakenfilmreviews.wordpress.com. So is that what you nicknamed your bathroom? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's my car. It's my car. <laughs> Don, what about you? Where can they find you at? You can find me at intheaudience.net. Fantastic. And Glenn? You can find me on YouTube, Be Bunker at Naked Hobo Productions, on Facebook, Naked Hobo Productions, and follow me on Twitter at Naked Hobo. Fantastic. And finally, Mr. Scott Davis, go, sir. You can catch me at moviocrity.com. That's M-O-V-I-O-C-R-I-T-Y. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. T-Y.com. And uh, that's where you're going to find uh, I have these long uh, analytical film reviews with a little bit of humor, hopefully. I don't know. Uh, all the podcasts people are dumb enough to have me on, I'm, they're on that, including this one. Uh, all the episodes of my uh, web series, which hopefully will have new episodes coming very soon, uh, that's on there. And if you want to check out any of those things on the, of the web series, you can check out the show. It's called Movieocrity. It's on Vimeo. 
that's where all the episodes are. Uh, otherwise, if you want to see uh, the ones that YouTube didn't take down, I'm on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> bastards. And they, um, and uh, and you know, uh, yeah, I'm on the Facebook and the Twitter too. You, you know, my name's Scott Davis. The sh- the site is Moviocrity. You can probably figure the rest out. Awesome. <laughs> well, this thank is you. the stud that hated Mad Max Fury Road. Fuck this guy. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can find all these fine people and myself on specialmarkproductions.com where we have all uh, the archives of the Spoiler Room, the ones that uh, we did way back when we first started, the video hangouts, and we are also on iTunes as well, the Spoiler Room. Search for us there if you haven't already. If you are on there, please rate us, like us, uh, share it with your friends as well because it helps move us up in the iTunes land. Speaking of as well, i got to plug really quick. Go to podcastland.net. Search for the Spoiler Room in the TV and movie section and uh, vote for us, please, because uh, they do a voting every month, and uh, they feature a podcast with the most votes at the end of the month, and we're actually in the top six right now. Wow! So, thank you so much, everyone. Nice to be on a winning team. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for your support on this. Hope you enjoyed this show. Make sure you check out our uh, long, epic three-part podcast where we covered the original trilogy, and make sure you check out next week, where uh, soon our next episode will be another 25th anniversary episode, which is definitely going to be interesting for uh, I Come in Please. Peace and uh, please, yeah, nice. I come in peace, and I believe it's a uh, class of 1999. So, thank you so for listening in. We are creeping up on episode 50 of the Spoiler Room, and I wouldn't be doing these so many if it wasn't for this fine group of individuals and those others in the past that have been on this show. Because with the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, though we do spoil the films 